an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you browse homeowner reviews, compare quotes from multiple local pros, and even book a service instantly. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1010. That's 1010. Um, say, if you're going to be in the uh, Dallas area, uh, July 26, 27, I'll be at the Addison Improv. And then uh, a couple weeks later, I'll be at Goodnight's Comedy Club in Raleigh, North Carolina, August 8, 9, and 10. And then more dates in the fall. If you go to ID10T.com slash tour or just ID10T.com because uh, there's ID10T stuff there. And then also some cool other stuff. I were posting some Rick and Morty stuff soon and some horror-themed socks because I like horror movies. But let's talk about you and the ID10T community on the ID10T community corkboard, which is at events at ID10T.com. Like Chelsea, who writes... Uh, for years, my fiance Devin has wanted to work from home and now has started his own company. He's making and selling different metal signs for home decor or business advertising, all kinds of things, welcome signs, animal signs, car brands, etc. He also does custom designs, selling through Etsy with the store named Canadian Metal Craft and also on Facebook and Instagram as Canadian Metal Crafting. Uh, Mary writes, a little while ago, my husband and I started writing songs together. That's adorable. He has the musical brains and plays a ton of instruments, but he can't do lyrics, so I did. Uh, We weren't sure what to do with the song, so we've decided to invite some friends and neighbors to learn them and sing them with us. A group of about 20 of us practiced in our living room throughout the summer last year, and then we went to a studio together and recorded an EP of uplifting choral pop that we're really proud of. You can find it, stream it, download it, buy it at... um, Mammals, with one M, well, two M's, but not right next to each other, M-A-M-A-L-S dot band slash music. That's very sweet. You know, I've been taking piano lessons, and Lydia plays the flute, and I've been trying to, I'm trying to weasel in some kind of fun flute piano duet. So uh, I highly appreciate that uh, you and your spouse came together to make some cool music, and uh, we'll check it out. Thank you so much. Um, This episode is Mr. Chris Jericho, who is uh, three-peating this episode of the podcast. He's been on three other times, and I believe... The first time he ever did a podcast with was with us, and then he started his own podcast, and he's just a he's just a great guy. And again, another dude who is like our reference banks are right on top of each other's because we are both about the same age, and it turns out liked a lot of the same stuff when we were growing up. Um, he Chris is promoting All Elite Wrestling, which is a brand new pro wrestling company that he recently signed with. Also, he's got some upcoming films. Kilroy was here, and Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Also, his band Fozzy is opening for Iron Maiden. Yes, that Iron Maiden on September 14th in Los Angeles at the Bank of California Stadium. 
I love this guy, and I'm so uh, inspired by all the stuff that he does and proud of him, and it's always fun to get together and hang out with Jericho. He's a fun hang and a good dude and a Walking Dead fan, and uh, so please enjoy this episode of the ID10T Podcast number 1010 with Mr. Chris Jericho, and here it comes. Initiating ID10T Protocol. How have you been? I haven't seen you in a while, and and uh, of course, uh, I I have nothing but uh, positive love for you yeah, and man. happiness. Are you good? It's always great to uh, to to see and hang out, and it's funny because yeah, it's one of those things where I've been super busy, and then I took some time off this year. But the things that I've done are really big things. So the the, the newest thing is 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 the new wrestling company that's yeah. now the alternative to the WWE called All Elite Wrestling, mm-hmm. and it's owned by the family that owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, okay. who have three times the money that the McMahon family has. Gotcha. So it's a really big thing. So I'm kind of starting in this at the entry, not the entry level, but the company is at an entry level position. So we're all figuring out how to run a fucking wrestling company <laughs> together. And the coolest thing is our first show is in May at the uh, Las Vegas uh, uh, MGM Grand in Las Vegas. Yep. And we sold it out in four minutes. Oh, my God. Yeah, 12,000 tickets in four Jesus minutes. Jesus Christ. So that's the thing. So there's a big buzz going on. And we're putting together, like, you know, this whole new, uh, like I said, alternative for, for, for WWE. So I have a question about – because obviously, you know, I have – even though I'm not like I don't follow wrestling a ton, I have so much respect, especially now as I've come as as I become friends with wrestlers, mm-hmm. for the art and the character building and the 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 sort of improvisational but also like physical agility mm. that you need to put on a show, a live stunt show. Yeah, basically yeah. a live stunt show. But so where each wrestler kind of has to have their own identity. How does an entire organization? find its right. own identity and how do you how are you and, figuring and that's, that that's, out and that's a great question because when you think pro wrestling that's WWE it's, it's Coca-Cola right. it's Band-Aid or Kleenex or the brand name of, right. of wrestling so what do you want to do as a new company you don't compete with that you have to do something different and what we're doing is basically you have a whole collection of guys in the background of this company is there's a whole gaggle great word of guys <laughs> who are working worldwide uh, more specifically in Japan that were from the States or from Canada and were the best in the world. Like working in this style of wrestling where there's no real handcuffs, there's no, um, you know, WWE has a certain way of doing things. Mm-hmm. This was all freedom for the guys to be artists. And as a result, started creating a worldwide buzz for themselves. When the time was coming up for these contracts to be ending, now everybody wants them. But they were all friends. There's a guy called Kenny Omega. There's the Young Bucks. Uh, there's a guy called Cody, Dusty Rhodes' son, mm-hmm. Cody Rhodes. A couple of the guys like that. And they decide, we're going to stick together. Wherever we go, we're going to go together. And we're going to try and change how the business uh, is perceived and how the business works. Mm-hmm. Same time, Tony Khan... Uh, of the Khan family who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Fulham fo- Football Club in, in London and countless other shit uh, decided they wanted to open up their own wrestling company. So you've got the financial backing 
from this family that is huge wrestling fans that know how to run a football franchise, sure, which is sports entertainment in itself. Yeah, you've got all this group of guys that are, are some of the best in the world, myself included, because I was working in Japan at the time, whose contracts were all coming uh, d- uh, d- done. Combine the two. Let's start our own. Let's put on a show, kids. But you know, it's what uh, what I love about how wrestling has evolved. And we've had this conversation before. But you know, I grew up in Memphis, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. WMC. Pretty sure it was WMC five. Yeah. Um, Live had Saturday morning wrestling. It was super. Like it was the highest rated show in the Memphis market out of anything. Just and so it, you know, it looked yeah. like public access. It, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, which was kind of. It was almost like. It was it was kind of like public access before public access or YouTube before mm-hmm, YouTube mm-hmm. where it just there was the, like it was so gritty and yeah. kind of real that that like helped yeah. in a way low budget but. yeah yeah super low budget and 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 I'm sure like those early wave of guys it was like well what do we do like how do we what do we do like mm-hmm. wrestling is kind of its own thing but now it's like you're all brands and entrepreneurs and there's you brand well, there's so many the different thing. things that you can do that's the thing like the, the young bucks uh, is, is they started selling their own merch uh, and they created this thing called the bullet club so bullet club became a thing everybody has bullet club shirts so the owner of hot topic the buyer mm-hmm. was at a wrestlemania show a couple years ago and saw all these bullet club shirts young bucks shirts and said I want one of those. I'm going to go buy one at the merch stand. Problem is they weren't WWE guys. They're these guys from Japan or or working these small companies in the States. But they caught on, so all the hardcores are wearing their merch. Mm -hmm. So the Hot Topic guy went to the WWE merch stand and said, I want a a Bullet Club shirt or a Young Buck shirt. We don't have any. That's not our thing. Like, what? What? But everybody's wearing them. So he brought them in the Hot Topic, and they became the number one selling item at Hot mm-hmm. Topic. So these young bucks suddenly are making this big money off of merch outside of the WWE system. Right. And that's kind of what's going on. My, my, my point before was when I started and throughout my career, WWE was always the be-all, end-all. Mm-hmm. It's not like that anymore. You can go make big money and become a huge star outside of the WWE system. So it's that attitude of kind of like a do-it-yourself way, play the character that you want, do the angles and the storylines that you want, and do the matches that you want. Because WWE is very much micromanaged. Mm-hmm. If you have a match, i got to go talk to you about it. i got to go talk to an agent, a producer, a TV guy, and maybe go talk to Vince. Here... We just do what we want to do because we're the pros. We understand the art of it. Sure. So it's a whole new style because it's not the WWE regimented style. And it's a group of guys who are coming at this from almost like a, a maverick type of an attitude, like, mm-hmm. a, like a renegades. Yeah. So it's it's something that, that wrestling fans are really excited about because it gives them an alternative to a WWE product that some of them think is a little stale in the way they do things. So this gives people a chance to like, well, let's give it a try, and it's become a big thing right now. Well, off the like, bat. And it's sort of like you know when a company gets so big, mm-hmm. it just gets harder. It's just like a, it's just like a, you know, like a ship. The bigger a ship is, the harder it is to turn. Sure, because there's more. It's bigger and it takes up more space, and there's more people in it, and it, right. you know, it's like you can't get the angle, and you know, and it, with that many cogs, there, it's just it's harder to move quickly, um, but. Sort of just like everything else where artists have become kind of masters of their own domain, if you can directly connect to your fans, then you don't always need a big ma- – you used to have to have a machine. You're right. I mean it's the same thing with, 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 with music. With music or comedy you know, or with, with, anything. With, with Fozzie, like before – I mean we still have a great record company. But if you just wanted to do it on your own, as long as you get your music on Spotify and you can get some – 
especially for rock and roll, radio play still makes a difference. And that's what ra- record companies do is they will get you hooked up with the radio. Yeah. But if you were like Metallica and they do that, they don't need a record company anymore. Right. They just do it themselves. Right. Once you get past that point, you don't need the middleman anymore. And it's the same for so much entertainment nowadays. Like it's all available at, at your fingertips. You don't need the middleman in there. Yeah, I know. It's I have, I have this conversation with Rob Zombie a lot where it's like, I'm like, what do, does you, you know, because it's, it's not like his stuff gets played on the radio, on like the Never. regular radio. But, but yeah. And yet his touring business is bigger than it's ever. He's doing fucking yes. stadiums. Yes. <laughs> but every radio station will have a festival once a year. Yeah. 98 Rock Fest, you know, whatever yeah. it is. And they'll go to the amphitheater and they'll put, let's say, Rob Zombie as the headliner because they play Rob Zombie in Poughkeepsie, New York. And right. when the Poughkeepsie, New York radio station has its festival, Rob's on top. Right. So it still makes a difference. Um but a guy like Rob kind of transcends it, but he still is connected with the radio station because they want him for the live. Well, that, that's just the that's just the it's the thing of just the power of being connected to right, your fans to, and not having that sort of you know that mega corporate uh, middleman. Absolutely, and I, I say that for wrestling, it's the same for comedy. As an actor, as a musician. If you connect with your audience, you'll always do business. Mm-hmm. That's people appreciate the connection. Uh, you'll watch sometimes. I'll watch somebody on a on a let's say a comedy show. Yeah, this guy, whatever, it was good, no problem. But I can take it like say Sebastian Maniscalco. Mm-hmm. I saw him at a small comedy club in Tampa three four years ago, and he was fucking great. And then I go in, and I just love his humor and his style of humor and. Now he's headlining Madison Square Garden selling out. Like five times over. Five times over. Yeah, yeah and like I saw that. him at, you know, Chuckles Comedy Cabaret in downtown Tampa. Yeah. And but the guy connected. And that's what you have to do to continue to grow your brand and to continue to, to have people come to your shows, no matter what aspect of entertainment it is. If you connect, people will go. Yeah. And also, you know, that you try to up your game every yes. time and you gotta keep it I mean it. It really is interesting that in a world where we rely so much on, you know, social media and digital stuff, like even if you didn't necessarily have that, if you get on a regular touring schedule, you can, you really can just survive doing that if, yeah. you, if you had to. Sure. I mean, it's very supplemental and, you know, all the social media stuff makes it easier to connect with people. But, you know, like if you if you show up every year to year and a half and do a good show and, you know, like yeah. then some people will bring friends and it really does compound. I mean, there are some guys who, you know, don't do much social media, aren't really in television movies and have huge touring businesses just because they're on the cycle. Absolutely. You'll see that because I always keep an eye on you know, who's playing the arenas and who's going here, who's going there. There's a guy now, a comedian, uh, I can't recall his name, but he doesn't wear a shirt on stage. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, I'll, I can find it, but but he's got a huge bus with the wraparound, you know, oh. and he's playing big venues. I've never fucking heard of this guy, <laughs> but that's how it works. Now everyone's like, oh, you haven't heard of, of the guy? Yeah. And then you go like, well, I should check it out because the word of mouth means so much. But like you mentioned, you could go be selling out three, four, five thousand seaters. I've never even heard of you. I'm a pop culture guy. You're a pop culture guy. Right. But, but you and I are about, we're about, I think we might be the same age, but we're, if we're not, we're close. Close because, to it. Because our pop culture... Our pop culture circles are right on top of each other. Absolutely. Like, I'm, so I'm 48. You're, I mean, I'm 47. Okay, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you, you know. S- sad about uh, the passing of Peter Tork today? I mean, yeah. I mean, I know he had had a long battle with Yeah. How, how old? He was 70? 70, 77. 77. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, spe- again, speaking of Rob Zombie, Rob was a huge, 
you know, of course, like huge monkeys devotee. <laughs> he was like before the Beatles, I was yeah. into the monkeys. And so it is, it's, it's sad and it's horrible. And it's, it's sort of like, you know, it's that when that happens, you sort of feel like, oh, there's a piece of my childhood that sort of went with that because I was so connected, you know, like that was so but inspirational. Do, do, this is me. what I always do though. Um, and it's a good thing, but I, I probably haven't watched the monkeys for years. I have them, you know, on my, on my playlist and the songs will come up. But when, you hear about Peter Spaff. He was always my favorite monkey. For some reason, I just liked the name Peter. Yeah. I liked how he had blonde hair. He's kind of yeah. a goofy guy. Yeah. So I just was Googling some stuff on YouTube. And like it's like so slapstick shit, but it brings you back to a time where it's really funny. But it's also super cheesy and really bad. But we grew up with it, and you have these fond memories, like you said. And I like, I, I want to go on a monkey's binge now. Like, I well, want to yeah, go I back mean, to that time. Th- there's a whole era then where that kind of slapstick comedy, it's like laughing was slapstick. Yes. That was slapstick. Sid and Marty Croft was slapstick. Um, hee haw. I mean, that's hee-haw, a little later, but. Hee haw was slapstick. Um, you know, it's like that that style. That was just that was just a style. Uh, the the Batman series, oh, with Adam West. Another. I mean, you know, it's like that that kind of slapstick style. You know, it was like watching that manifest through a bunch of different filters, and that filter was like, "Oh, it's a parody of a of a band that actually ended up being a really a fucking real good, great band, right? Amazing band. Like the soundtrack from Head is fucking incredible. <laughs> like it's like it, but, but it's so great too because they much like the Beatles who rebelled against their manager. That's when they started growing their hair longer and doing yeah. drugs. The Monkees rebelled because they you know they they, they they knew what was going on. You guys are four actors, maybe play a little bit of musician, but you were going to make a TV show, yeah. And and then when they became a real band, they rebelled and did head like an acid trip, yeah, yeah. porpoise song movie, yeah, right? Yeah, because they're like, well, fuck you, we're a real band. Yeah, yeah, we're the monkeys, damn it. And I just love it. Even the monkeys rebelled when they when they got big, right? Well, everyone has to – everyone, you know, like everyone has that artistic thing that they need to express. Yeah. And they – you know, it's like they were playing the role – I mean – if you look at the data, even though it was a fake band for a sitcom, basically for teenagers, you know they were selling out arenas and yeah. pe- people were losing their minds. Or it's like, and they're playing the songs, and the songs sound good. They sound good doing them. It's like, hey, I think maybe we're actually kind of a band. Well, they. I was reading in 1967, they outsold. The Stones and the Beatles in 1967. Damn. That's fucking Sgt. Pepper, Satanic Majesty's Request. And these are big records, and the Monkees did more business with them. So whenever somebody passes away that, like you mentioned, had an influence, I always kind of look into it. And you forget, oh my gosh, just how big the Monkees were and yeah. how – I don't know if that would translate to this day and age, but because we grew up with it, it's still a fond memory and it's, it's – um, you know, once again, it's one of these things that could you ever replicate that again with the innocence of like these four guys that we think are a band, but we don't I know, know our band. But you I know? think one of the things that defines our generation, Gen X, is <clears throat> our sort of inextricable marriage to nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And I know every generation gets nostalgic, and you know, it's like, oh, my grandparents listened to old, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis songs and old timey music, and you know, but it's it really is a it is so much a part of the fabric of, because we grew up <clears throat> at a time. Where there really was, like in the 80s, when cable happened, the explosion of pop. There was an explosion of pop culture mm-hmm. and also a, a segmenting of pop culture. So you talk about like a comedian that's selling out big – and you've never heard of this person. You know, it's like when we grew up, there were not that many places to see – it's like everyone kind of knew about the same things because – 
it was all controlled by a handful of companies and there were a handful of outlets. And now there's an infinite number of outlets. Right. You could just have an Instagram feed yeah. and have a direct connection to five million people and no other anything. That's right. And, you know, and so and there and there's your audience. And so it's just it's such a it's such an interesting time. And I wonder what nostalgia will look like to you know 20 years from now like what are people going to be nostalgic about now because there's fucking just so much and everyone can have their very specific specific no, needs you, met and you're right and, and and you know there's and this is not to start talking like well i don't get it like it's just the way of the world is you don't have to do anything to be famous now we know this yes um even like my mother-in-law she's a big a political pundit like she's into politics and very much a trump supporter and she's very vocal and she's she tweets a lot right and the other day i just happened to see her she's got eleven thousand followers this is my mother-in-law she, she, she didn't do anything like she just from her twitter account because she's so radical in her beliefs other people that are radical follow her and she's become like this little twitter grandma Who's got eleven thousand followers? Like, I mean, it's just insane, it's crazy, right? It's, like all of it's all of it's so so. It's it really is all so surreal that this idea of, you know, f- it, like what does it mean to be famous and what is it? And it's I mean, it's like it's not it's not real. Like none none mm-hmm. like fa- no, no no fame is like real. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I just like being obs- being obsessed with it is is kind of a strange thing and i you know i just i i hope that people can take a lot of it with a grain of salt be mm. like i have x number of followers like yes but you know like it, it's great it's great for the artistic stuff when you're connected to your fans and you can you know connect with them directly but i don't know it just it, but, it, but, it, it doesn't mean everything no it doesn't but people do look at this like you know, if you have whatever i think i have like 12 million followers or whatever if someone doesn't really know Chris Jericho, this is going to hire me to do a movie, let's say. Yeah. Right? And if it's between me and another guy and we're the exact same thing, going for the exact same part, they will might give it to me because the social media numbers are there. So people right. do look at that. Even though we know, it's like, what does it really mean? Yeah. Not much. Yeah, because I don't think does... social, social media doesn't really drive, like, it doesn't, it oddly, I don't think makes people go see movies more or watch television Agreed. shows more, you know? If I say, you know, buy this Zoom recorder on my Instagram I don't think three million Zoom recorders are going to get sold. Right. But conversely, Zoom might go, wow, Chris Jericho's three million views and followers on Instagram. We should uh, advertise with him. So people do, like, from my experiences, people do take that into account. Mm -hmm. So it does mean something. It doesn't mean everything, though, and there's a lot of people that are live and die by the amount of followers they have. Right. That's that's what I'm concerned about for people. It's just like it doesn't, you know, it's like it looks good. Yeah, but it doesn't mean anything. But you, but it shouldn't be your sole source of personal validation because it, you know, it's I don't know, it's an external thing, and it's and and again, you don't know, you don't know who. Maybe, maybe a lot of them are bots. Like you, you just don't right. even you don't even know. But you know, it's so funny. Like even for me, if I'm posting something on Instagram, and I'm a big poster, maybe two a day, three a day, mm-hmm. if something comes up, and I'll always go back and check how many likes it got, and if it gets under ten thousand, I feel like. Whew, that one wasn't very popular. And it really is something that in this day and age, it really – and that affects me where it's going to ruin my day. But it's something that I look at and check. It's so weird how, how that has become such an important thing. I hate that I look at that too, especially in, in you know just trying to feel 
Like, yeah, I don't want to worry about that stuff, but it is. But there is something that's psychologically addictive right. about it when you, and especially because, you know, <clears throat> I mean, I don't worry about it that much anymore because Instagram changes their out. Al- like the algorithm, it's just funny how much t- people talk about the Instagram algorithm, but it really, it really does affect. I mean, they have like a billion users Instagram, right. I think, and so I feel like in a way that algorithm should probably be not be so proprietary because it affects so many people. So when they make subtle shifts, you know, like if there's some person who sells, you know, like Etsy crap, you know, like they, they make their living like carving wood things. Yeah. And then they post something on Instagram to make a living and Instagram shifts the algorithm and it identifies that person's feed as like, oh, this is too advertising. So we're going to crush it down in the feed. That dramatic, like if they're getting half the engagement they have before, like that affects their lives, yeah. you know, like it, it affects, it strongly affects people's lives. And so it just, it almost to me kind of seems like they should be required to give people the option of a chronological feed so that you don't miss stuff because right, it really, right, that right. really does if like, if someone lives or dies by whether or not people show up to their show or yeah, yeah, do a right, thing or right. thing, then, you know, like that's, it's because social media basically like the microblogging, as it was originally called, absorbs like there's not really like blogs the way that mm-hmm. there were before. Mm-hmm. So they lured everyone away from blogs. So like a lot of these people who rely on this stuff, you know, it, it is so funny. Like, and I notice this every day. And once again, it's the way of the world. Things are the way they are. But I, I've been on the road since I was 19. So when I would go on the road, let's say in the 90s, I'd go to Mexico for 10 weeks, mm-hmm. and I'd take a big bag of books. And I'd take my uh, uh, ghetto blaster boombox, and I'd take my group of whatever CDs that I had chosen, and that level was... forty two is <laughs> in there probably. Well, you know exactly <laughs> the, the, the Weezer Blue album yeah. and Van Halen fifty one fifty. I remember listening to those all the time. But you would take them, and that would be my entertainment world for the next ten weeks. You know, I could watch a little bit of Mexican TV, or mm-hmm. maybe find a, an English bookstore in Mexico if I was in Mexico. But that was it. And you would read. I would read a book a week, easy paperback after paperback after paperback. Okay. For, fast forward to now. I always say I'd like to have a book on the go. I don't read books. There's a bunch I want to read, but guess what happens every time I have a free free time? Take the phone out, start <laughs> fucking around, and you're not even lo- you're looking at the same shit. Yeah, you know, check a pro wrestling site or look at a, a, a music news or whatever. You just I find I'm almost saying like shame on myself for just wasting time. You're not wasting time, but I think where, where, my book read, like if Stephen King put out, like this is the best Stephen King book, you got to read it. I've read all the King books. It might take me two or three months to get to it because right. I've got too much social media or internet shit to look at instead of sitting down and reading a book. That's yeah. scary to me. But but it's still but it's still distracting. Like either yeah. way is distracting. But at least it's just, you know, our habitual kind of taking out of the phone, I, I do – you know, I think we all have a deep psychological need to be connected. We yeah. have a deep psychological need to be connected to a community, to be connected to other people, to not have that FOMO, right, you know, right, like, right. to always know like what's going on. I mean, but um, but we just kind of do it in an empty way, and it's never 
we're never satisfied by it. It just mm-hmm. leads to more and more and more and more and more. And so it, it, just, se- it seems like it's like mental junk food. It is. It's like, exactly mental junk food. I'm That's hungry. That's exactly what right. it is. And instead of sitting down, instead of cooking a steak and a baked potato, which is going to be a great meal. I'm going to eat Cool Ranch Doritos for every meal. Exactly. Yeah. So instead of and those reading, are really good, by the way, but not for every meal. <laughs> Shout out to Cool Ranch Doritos. Yeah. But instead of reading a book, yeah. which I don't know, is it going to make me smarter? Is it going to take like a, is it going to take me to a magical place? Yeah, but I'd rather just eat these Cheetos and <laughs> scroll through the same shit that I'm looking through 10 times a day. So I'm almost wondering, like, does that, am I getting stupider? Or even worse, am I just getting to a certain point of information and knowledge and then just stopping? You know what? Fitness, this total fitness analogy here, but even just the way hearing you describe that, it's like, our, so if 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 we go with this analogy, this metaphor of the um, of social media being junk food, just the nonstop consumption of junk food, it is it is making our brains fat, but it's not necessarily making them lean and healthy. Right. And so it it we we, it, we are filling up, we're filling up, but they're empty calories. Exactly. They're empty mental That's, calories. Yeah, it's mental junk food. Like yeah. You said. And so your brain gets overloaded and basically just you know fat on junk right and, 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 and so we're not feeling as mentally healthy as we are because we just have all this like and yeah. am i not progressing as far as i could progress like i can tell you like as a musician i can watch somebody play guitar and go okay like i don't whatever it's i, I went and watched an ace fraley video from a month ago and i can tell he doesn't practice anymore mm-hmm. i can just tell it's like oh, i know the songs but you can if did he get to a certain point and then just stop Whereas maybe if he kept practicing, he would be like Eddie Van Halen. I don't know. But I'm wondering, have I stopped practicing guitar, my mental guitar? Maybe. You know? I mean, like if, if – that's why I think, you know, because we were talking before, before we started recording about – I said, oh, I have high cholesterol. And, you know, so I kind of had to change my diet. And you said, yeah, I've got stuff too. And I had to change mine because I don't want to be 75 and then, and then have to it's do it. It's too late, right? It's too late, which is, you know, which is exactly why – I started – I was never a fitness guy in my life and when I was 31, 32, I was like, oh, you know, I think I need to start exercising so that I don't have to at 60 or 70. It's like I'm trying to do the work now, now right. so that I don't get fucked where it's – you know, again, <laughs> yeah. where it's hard to turn that boat later in life and maybe – you know, maybe that's the same kind of thing if we just feed mental junk food into our brains that we actually – the same way that you have to go to a gym and it's usually not a pleasurable – if you don't – like I like doing it. I like after I've done it. But there are a lot of times where I don't feel like going, much the same that it's hard to put down a phone and do something yeah. meaningful in the real world with real people. Yeah, and that's what I would say. Like I've been off for the last two or three months and you know, I, I, I my son started – playing bass and he was playing the same bass that that I bought in 1985. Oh wow. So it was just kind of cool and I was kind of showed him a couple things and then I was like, "Yeah, I should let me grab that guitar and just start fucking around with it." And it wasn't right. It wasn't it wasn't even <laughs> particularly good, but I figured out how to play uh Beatles I'll be back again. Mm-hmm. And just to play it and to learn the song 
which I haven't learned a song since I was probably early 20s when I really used to practice. And just to play guitar and play a new song was such a great feeling. I was like, you know, I should, I want to take guitar lessons. I want to really learn how to play guitar. I can play bass, but I want to learn chords. And what if I learn how to play guitar at 48 years old? I'm doing the same thing, right? by the way. I'm, 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 I had always noodled with guitar. Yeah, I saw your guitars in the front. Yeah. Oh, those are my wife's dad's guitars. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I have, I, I've got, my guitars are downstairs and mm. upstairs, but... And I did the same thing. I was like, I'm going to take piano. I'm going to take. Um, I'm going to start playing guitar again, just because I realized it, I'm, I'm kind of. I want to do an experiment where I'm taking videos of the piano that I'm playing mm-hmm. over time because I spent over 200 hours playing Zelda Breath of the Wild when, <laughs> yeah, when it yeah, came yeah. out. And I was like, I wonder if I spent 200 hours like learning right. a thing. Like, what would that look like? And so that's kind of my social experiment See, and, and right that, now. And that's my point. Like, we're spending so many hours on these. It's like leasing a car. You spend all this money, you lease it. You don't own anything. You're playing 200 hours of Zelda. You're getting good at Zelda. But when the game is done, it's gone. Yeah. Where if you learn piano or 200 hours of piano, you can carry that. Probably get pretty good. You can, yeah, and you can carry that, that, that talent anywhere you go. But it's also learning and growth. But it's hard to, you know, like it's so hard to learn. It's hard to get on a it mental is. fitness diet. It, but especially when you're successful. Right. Okay, like you and I are really good at what we do in our own little niche niche areas. We've been very successful. It's been you know financially successful and, and creatively successful and professionally successful. I don't want to get to the point where it's like, okay, I've done it. Now I don't have to do anything else. I want to try more because I think that will continue to to drive us in the – well, me in the job that I do. I agree. Not be complacent, right? Yeah, because, you know, again, and and this is maybe a more brutal way to say it, but anything that's not growing is dying. Right. And so if you stop – I feel like people get old when they stop growing, when they stop learning new things, when they stop – you know, Taking like, chances. Yeah, my yeah. grandfather, my dad's father, my both my grandfathers were very interesting case studies because they were complete opposites. My dad's father was in his pajamas, like at fifty five, he was a house painter. He hated his job, but he, you know, like he, but he did, you know, he wanted, he needed to support his family, so he did what he had to do. Mm. So kudos to him, he was a responsible guy. But you know, wasn't his passion. Didn't follow his passion. As soon as he could retire at maybe like fifty five. That was it. He was like in his pajamas every afternoon by four. Right. And, and so he was a young old man. Right. My mother's father never stopped doing stuff, learning, played golf every day, and basically was a very young, you know, 78 when he passed, you know, when he passed away. He died of cancer. But he – but ultimately he lived a very full – it's like two diametric labs of things. He never stopped growing. So, and, that, and that's a great point and, a, and, a, and a, such a cool, interesting thing because – it's okay. So we're talking to say the modern age of rock and roll. Well, actually, rock and roll started in 1950, right? So I think when I look at pictures of my dad when he was 48, he looked like not an old man, but he looked like he didn't look like a cool hip cat. <laughs> yeah, you know, no. you're talking full <laughs> velour sweatsuits and giant. He was glasses. a dad. He yeah, was he's a, your dad. Yeah. Whereas to me, like I'll still go to shop at John Vervedo's for skinny jeans and cool yeah. shoes, and it's just the way it is. We're looking now, like this, I'm thinking about the Stones, and I read today that Mick Jagger is finally settling down with his 31 year old wife. He's not gonna. Uh, he's slept with over four four thousand women, and he's done. Oh, he's got eight children, and like he's 75. Like holy shit, dude! If you're gonna stop fucking all the chicks at 75, that's not a bad career trajectory. <laughs> like, I think the fact that the Stones still play, and I'm using them as an example because. 
before the Stones. Like the Stones are the first generation rock and roll. Right. And I think at the time they were probably told, you guys got six months and you're done. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. And now it shows that you can still be in the entertainment business at the top of your game in your 70s. I don't even think actors had that before. No, most people didn't because, again, the business sort of dictated like what. Right. There were so few outlets. But also, you know, you look at someone like – Joan Rivers, who, if she hadn't died through unnatural causes, would still be on stage every mm. night doing stand-up. And it's because what it requires to continue to grow and learn, it's energy. Right. And it's and what drives that energy, especially in someone like Joan's case, was hunger. Like, it's not an old person or young person's game. It's It's a hungry person's game. And if you're always hungry, whether it be for knowledge or for growth or to evolve or to learn... And she never, you know, she was someone who never stopped learning. I mean, I would, I would, I've had lunch with her a couple of times and she was asking about like, you know, how do I make internet content? How do I make digital? Like this woman who very easily, you know, was sure. 78, 79 could have been like, ah, I don't want, but she never stopped wanting to learn. And Mel Brooks is the same. He's in his nineties. And, 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 and also society has said it's okay to be old and still be relevant. Yes. You know, I got a great Joan Rivers story. I got to tell you this. Please. So, um, uh, gosh, it was probably 10 years ago or 12 years ago. Uh, I got a call from – it was called the TV Guide channel at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And they would always do uh, pre – like the, Oscar, yeah, red carpet. Thing. Yes, yeah. with Joan Rivers. Mm-hmm. So I guess they wanted to get like a younger element uh, and somehow I got the job to uh-huh. be the red carpet reporter with Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers and Chris Jericho on the spot report. And fucking Joan was not happy. She did not want to uh, – uh, didn't want to share the spotlight or go to the younger uh, guy, right? So, and I don't know for sure, but I stood on that fucking red carpet. They said, Joan is going to pitch to you, and when you do, whoever's around you, go and interview them. And I, was, I had it all in my head. I was, Ricky Gervais walks by, and David Boreanaz walked by, and Dennis Leary walked by. I'm like, I hope it's, it's my time. Is my time. So they were waiting for Joan to pitch to me, but she never did. <laughs> Sorry to laugh. That's really- it's hilarious. And the thing was, my friends were in town from Winnipeg because we were going to go see Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. So my friends were in town. I, was like, I got this chance to go be the red carpet guy. So everyone was watching at home, the TV Guide channel. And they said a couple times they saw me in the background just standing there. And she never pitched to me. So the whole thing ends 45 minutes and I'm like, okay, it's time to get off the carpet. The, the, the Grammys are starting. Or the Oscars are was. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. So I go to the producer. I go, what happened? He goes, she wouldn't pitch to you. She would not pitch to you. And she just kept doing interviews and interviews. She never stopped talking. So we couldn't just go to That's you. That's hilarious. And I was like, motherfucker. So I was furious, right? And so Joan comes, she goes, oh, you're so cute. Sorry, we just couldn't make it up. And I'm not going to get in an argument with Joan Rivers but I'm not going to strike up a friendly conversation. Sure. Now I'm pissed. She's like, okay, so anyways, I'm sorry. To, I, we couldn't get you. You're a good-looking guy. Uh, let, me, let me send you a, an autographed picture. <laughs> Give me your address and I'll send it to you. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And then she goes, and if you ever need somebody on uh, WWE Raw, give me a call. And I was like, you fucking – oh, I was so mad at Joan Rivers. And uh, so – she walks out and the, her assistant's like, uh, can we have your address for just any of the picture? I'm like, I don't want a fucking picture. <laughs> I was on here for Paul McCartney. I wanted to be on the red carpet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, she was a scrapper. Like, Joan had to fight for everything. Well, yeah. I mean, the, 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 that crazy story about how she pissed off Carson and yeah. was never invited back. And to the day she died or the day he died, she they never spoke. And she actually talked on that documentary they did on Johnny. Yeah, it really, it, very it really hurt her. And yeah. Because – 
you know, listen, she she deserved. I mean, yes, he, you know, he did he did give her the shots and yeah. he did put her on the show, but she also earned every bit of every like she earned it too. Sure. Like she was funny as Absolutely. fuck, and so. You know, like not allowing people to kind of grow in the ways that they needed to grow, but it was just a different time in the business, and so it was just very cutthroat. Yeah, back well, then. plus she didn't tell him. I think that was the problem, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the real story, but apparently she just kind of the the the, the papers. Joe Rivers has her own show, and Johnny was like, "What? She never even told me." I think that caused a that, little that bit was of it there. Too. I just, I mean, I. I don't know. I adored that woman. And oh, I, dude! And I, don't I, get me wrong. Hilarious. I, Super I, hilarious. I, ador- I adored her, and she was just. In it, retrospect, I probably should have taken the autograph picture. It'd be a good, nice <laughs> souvenir, and be a great conversation piece. But <laughs> don't try to walk on my fucking carpet. <laughs> yeah, Love Joan exactly. Rivers. Yeah, I'll never pitch to you. It's my carpet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, but it, but that idea of you know, in a nutshell, that idea of of always. Uh, of wanting to learn, wanting to grow, trying new things. Yeah. I think it's really important, especially if it's – even if it's not something that you feel like you can even do anything with. Like, I don't know what I'm going to fucking do with piano. Like mm-hmm. it's just – I'm just doing it for me and I and that's very satisfying sure. and I think more people – How is it going to feel when you finally play, you know, Chopsticks or whatever the hell it is? <laughs> Jump uh, by yeah. Dan Halen. Uh, whatever it is that you learn, like that, that's that, – that, that, like I said, that feeling of playing that two-minute and 30-second Beatles song wrong but still where it sounds good, I could go to a campfire and do that song and people yeah. would know it. It was just like I hadn't felt anything like that in a while. And this is, you know, years of accomplishing great things. But that little thing meant so much. And I was like, I, I, I don't want to give that up. And I feel that I love your idea of you're going to spend 200 hours doing this. What if you spent two hours? What could hours I learn? That? Like what other? Right. And so I do. I want to chronicle it and. And just kind of see what 200 hours of this thing looks yeah. like. So just like, and again, I'm not shitting. I fucking love video games, but it just at a certain point, I sort of feel like, oh, if I spend, and now your phone will tell you how much time you spend on certain apps. Oh, like if yeah. I'm spending this much time on social media, mindlessly scrolling through stuff, what could I learn? And not that everything that you do has to, you know, it's like you still should have downtime and enjoy things. But I really love this. I love this idea that we're just stuffing our brains with mental junk food mm. and that at a certain point it's like what are the benefits of that and there aren't any <laughs> like there are no <laughs> you know that's one of the things i love about about walking dead like we always talk about this okay walking dead is not a show about zombies it's a show about society after everything breaks down and it's got zombies walking around who do the you background. become in a crisis right and also what would happen if all technology just stopped right you know, there's, it was not a great movie, but I love the ending of Escape to L.A., mm-hmm. uh, the sequel to Escape yeah, from New York, New York, which yeah. is basically the same movie again. But at the end of the movie, Snake Plissken has a chance to basically just, I think it was like, pull a switch and the world will continue or don't pull the switch. And it shuts down the entire technological uh, world. And mm-hmm. he was he didn't pull the switch. He's like, fuck it. Let's just go back to the Dark Ages. And that's like – that – seems a little intriguing to me like it would suck in a lot of ways but what if there were no phones anymore and what if you actually had to you know that's one reason why i love podcasting because you actually talk to people yeah. and have a conversation and look each other in the eye yeah. nowadays i barely call anybody on the phone if it's not work related no, or the text hey yeah, you're texting, you're calling your friend i mean there's people that that i know that i've never even spoken to face to face it's you know no one wants it it's our so much of our energy is being pulled in so many different directions and a lot of those directions are mental junk food directions yeah. that it's hard to have the energy of like 
I don't know. I could call this person, but it's I don't know. You know, it's like yeah. It, you you just like it's just the same as like going to the gym. You just got to fucking do it. Right. Like, your brain will try to talk you out of stuff because it just wants you to be comfortable in any given moment. Yeah. And trying new things, potentially failing at something, having an awkward conversation, mm-hmm. not is all uncomfortable. But you only, as you know, because you're built like a fucking mech warrior. <laughs> you, you know, like you. You can't you can't grow unless you get a little uncomfortable. Yeah, it, you got to push sometimes. yourself, right? Yeah. Right. So I just I don't know. I just hope that. I mean, I, I'm not I, I'm not I'm not going to say like there should be no social media ever, but it's just like I think people need to remember to just make little efforts to kind of step outside it a little bit. Yeah, sometimes just to be social, just to be social. Never mind the media part. Just be social. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because you know like. It's so easy to not do that stuff. And, you know, like we'll have small groups of people over to the house. And there are some days where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I have the energy to hang out with people. But then eight or ten people come over and we hang out and it's fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> you it's know? always it's like, fun. When you're in it, it's yes. great. But, yes. you're, but the anticipation, we talk ourselves – how many things do, you, do we talk ourselves out of because of prejudgment and anticipation? of like if you just fucking did the thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Know, I don't want to write a script. I don't want – just fucking do it. But, but, but it's like you said, like, even like my, my, my daughter – uh, if she has to get, she has uh, diabetes. Actually, my son does too. Both of them, but they have to get a shot sometimes, or, or put in. It's called a Dexcom. It's mm-hmm. a little mechanical, basically chip that you put onto your arm or shoulder that will that will show you where the blood sugar is, mm-hmm. so you can you can uh, react accordingly. And especially when she was younger, because she's had it for two or three years now, the anticipation of putting in this apparatus would drive her crazy. Mm-hmm. It never hurt her, but just the thought of it. Like right. you mentioned, just the thought, ah, it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt, it's gonna, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. What? It's over? Yeah. And then the next thing over. But like you mentioned, just the thought of it was so mentally anguished that the actual doing of it is not, was, not, was nothing. not that big of a deal. Right, exactly. How's the technology with diabetes now? Like are they, are they close to – Well, this is, this is something that unless you know somebody – that has diabetes, people really don't understand what it is. They're like, oh yeah, you know, uh, well, my grandma's got diabetes. Well, it, it, type two. Well, so there's type one diabetes, and there's type two diabetes. And type two diabetes should be called something else. It should be called wallpaper disease, or it's a completely different thing. Type two, you get it if you're out of shape, or you eat bad, or you fuck up your own sugar levels, and you take a pill, and it makes you better. Mm-hmm. Type 1 diabetes is your pancreas is dead. Mm-hmm. It does not make the insulin you need to survive. So if this was like, you know, the medieval times and your pancreas, you got diabetes, you'd die because you wouldn't know how to, how to deal with right. it. So, um, and it's also something that's happening more and more and more. Something is going on in the world that's causing diabetes to, to happen more often. I mean, I'm always gonna probably gonna blame like <laughs> super processed foods and I, chemicals and shit because because it seems like when but, you look at well, what's changed in the right. last you know yes. twenty years? And, and when you're laughing about it, I I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, so so the, when the pancreas doesn't work, like I said, so that's what real diabetes is. And it's like, well, how did they get it? How they, no one really knows how you get it, which is another strange thing. And I have twin daughters. One of them has it. One of them does not. Wow. Not to say that she won't get it, but she doesn't now. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's a, there's a lot of technology around diabetes. And there's a lot of like uh, indications that it's something they can cure. 
with artificial pancreases or whatever it is. But, but the technology is very high tech. Like I said, I have an app on my phone. It's called the Dexcom. Mm-hmm. And it'll show me both my son's uh, uh, blood sugar at all times and my daughter's. And their kids are 15 and 12. 50-year-old boys don't give a shit about anything, just like we did. You know, right. Don't want to do homework. Don't want to pay attention. If I want a bag of Cheetos, I'm going to have a bag of Cheetos mm-hmm. and not care about how it's going to spike my blood sugar or, or, or make it go down. So that's the one aspect. The other aspect is a pump which will shoot insulin into their body as need be. Mm-hmm. The only time that it's bad is when they're sleeping because they, 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 it's like working at a bell factory. They don't hear the alarms anymore because they're sure. constantly going off. Sure. So my wife and I have to get up in the middle of the night, and that's something that we're going to have to figure out very quickly because for the rest of their life, they're going to have to get up in the middle of the night if they have lower high blood sugar. Sure. But it seems that the technology is very um, – very top notch and growing. Like even since they've had it, the advancements have been huge. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people have it. Like Nick Jonas has yep. it. Brett Michaels has it. Um, Halle Berry has it. Uh, Jay Cutler from the Chicago. Like a lot of people have this type one. So it's very manageable. But you just have to learn how to deal with it. And you have right. to. And it's a daily, minute to minute thing. It just becomes part of your life. Right. You know. And so did were they able? I mean, kids are very resilient. Yeah. And so did they – are they still adjusting to it? Did they adjust to it pretty quickly? Still adjusting. Um, you know, I think, I think it's a little bit of a – I mean, I know it's a little bit of a drag to always have to deal with it. But when you know that if you don't, you'll die, yeah. it's just a part of life. It's a lot harder for, on, on my wife, I think, and for me too as parents. But the kids, like I said, like if, you're, so how it works, if your blood sugar is high, you need to take insulin. Mm-hmm. If it's low – that's when you have to have some juice or mm-hmm. some carbs, basically. So right. it's all basically, you know, it's really watching your carbs. It's like it's like the ultimate diet right. where you're constantly counting carbs. And when they first had it, we'd have to count. Okay, one cup of cereal is 15 carbs and one piece of peanut butter toast is 35 carbs. So there's 40, 50, 50 carbs adjust accordingly into your pump. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's it's like I said, it's like the constant diet. But for me, and I know – actually, I know a guy in the WB who has type 1 um, – you know, like like when they start growing up, and what if they want to have some drinks? So, like, what do you do? And it's, it's all that is fine. You just have to constantly monitor, right? You know? So the more that they like, the more that they might want to dip in those waters, the more they're going to have to monitor and yes. just make that. It's basically like they basically have to create an insulin economy. Yeah, and it's like okay, I have to balance this spreadsheet so that exactly. if I'm doing this, then I have to do this, and I have to do this, and and, and, and as you grow older. You just feel it. You know, Kim Low. You don't have need a, a, you know, you don't have to look at something to tell you, right? You know, um, and I think it's just with experience. Like actually, Brad Wilk from from Rage and Province of Rage, he's got it, and he just he got it when he was thirty five. Oh my gosh! So it's not just something that little kids get, right? You know, and he says when I start feeling low, even if it's during a song, I'll have to signal to somebody to talk to the crowd for a bit as I take my shot. Brett Michaels does it too. Oh my he's, gosh. He, if you see a Poison show or a Brett show, he's, he's off stage. They always have drum solos and guitar solos. That's when he goes off stage, checks his insulin, and either you know gives himself something or drinks something if he needs it. So you just got to incorporate it into your daily, hourly routine. Right. You know? Um, but it is also how resilient people are yeah. and how much human beings, like, you know, our one... St- 
I think the our our real the true strength of human beings is adaptability. Yeah, and what people like what situations people can adapt to sure. and will adapt to when they when they need to. And you have to. I mean, that's one thing about being in show business. You know, things change at the last minute, and things come up at the last minute, and things get canceled, and things get added. And for a normal person, they'll be like, "What do you mean? Like they called you tonight to be on set tomorrow, or or what do you mean the whole tour got canceled the day yeah. before?" That's just how it goes. It yeah. really does. Like I know for me, I'm constantly just rolling, going with the flow because you have to. So that helps with me with my everyday life as well. Where if you know shit happens and something goes down, then okay, let's let's figure out a way to, to make it work. It might also be the Canadian in you. Yeah, <laughs> that could be. Ameri- we just say sorry for everything. Americans too. are like, what? What do you mean this thing changed? And it's like ah, it'll be okay. You know? No, come on. We got to. <laughs> hey, it fucking changed again, man. Don't worry about it. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is, you know, it. I think at at the sort of age we're at, where again, where we're not, where we're not old, but we're not young. Mm. You know, it's like, yeah, we're squarely middle. Squarely, it's, it's, squarely that's mid- a weird thing too, though, isn't it? Is it weird for you? Well, it's it's you know, it's weird, but it's also enlightening in a way because I feel like things are, I don't know. It's just things aren't that important to me. Like, you know, I have a friend who's 81 yeah. and he's great and and I like, you know, and it's just sort of there's just a lot of perspective when you when you have a friend who's, you know, who's I, I think you're right. And that's why like I, I talk about Mick Jagger, even like Kiss with Paul Stanley. Like Paul is a friend of mine and he's 67 and dude, he looks great. Like he's yeah. still the star child. He goes on stage for the end of the road tour they're doing now. He's got the shoulder muscles, the veins in his bicep, you know, the f- flat stomach and it's like that I like looking at guys like that because it tells me that there's there's a chance for us. You know, I'll tell you what it the way that it affects me now is that I'm really starting to drift into this direction of and I don't mean this in a macabre way, but just the idea of like, well, our time here is limited. Mm-hmm. Our time on this mm-hmm. planet is limited for everyone. Mm-hmm. It is the one certainty is that all of our time is is limited. No one gets out of here alive. And yeah. so what it makes me think is that Yes, you know, like I can, you know, obsess over whatever social media or I can, you know, obsess over things that that don't really matter or I can try to get all the jobs and the entertainment, you know, but someday it's fucking not going to matter, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and that's not to say that. I shouldn't try to do things and just give up. Oh, nothing really matters. And the earth's going to blow up when the sun expands. Anyway, and it's like, but it just kind of makes me go like, oh, you know, like with whatever time I have, maybe I should just enjoy that. And mm-hmm. if that's working, great. And if it's right. having friends yes, over, that's yes, great. Yes, yes, Focusing yes. on people who are important. Because you don't want to get to the end of your life and go, wow, I was so obsessed yes. with the junk food of social media, obsessing over people I don't even know, and getting angry at whatever they were doing or not. And I would fucking she was not paying attention to yeah. the things that were right in front of my yeah, face. That's it's such that's such a great point. You know, like the old adage of wake up and smell, or you got to stop and smell the roses. Yes, yes. Like you really have to do that. And um, you know, it's. I remember I saw McCartney a couple of years ago, and and he said, you know, he's just going to stand here for a second. There's actually a catchphrase of mine: drink it in, man. That came from <laughs> McCartney because he said, I'm just going to stop uh, and just drink this in. Like I'm just going to enjoy this moment. And he was just looking at the crowd and just, you know, enjoying the fact that he had a sold out crowd and cheering and good vibes. And that was really memorable for me. It's something that I do a lot more now of just 
enjoying it for a second. Those moments in life, whether it happens every day or whether it happens once a month, where everything comes together and it's just like, this is a really cool moment. Don't breeze through it. No, no, Which we no. have a habit of doing. Of course, because we're constantly trying to figure out, I mean, if, if anything, in this kind of over, overstimulated era that we live in, it's like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's the next right, thing? Right, exactly. Like, well, it's, what's the now thing? Like, what are you doing yeah, now? Overstimulated era. That's a great point well that's that's what you know it's like we're we're all just trying to sort through so much information and some of that's not our fault just because of the way the world is and some of it's our fault because we actively are yeah you know like we're addicted to the overstimulation of it no you're right and and and, and constantly like you said the the constant what's next what's next what's what's next and i know even for wrestling like that was something i used to do early on in my career you'd be thinking about the next high spot that you had planned out tackle drop down leapfrog body slam and one of the guys was always saying to me I can tell you're thinking about the next spot. Stop. Live in the now of what's going on. And when that spot is over with, then you'll go to the next one. But you need to be in the moment to make it work. Yeah. And that's something that's applicable to life. Like you have to enjoy or or at least experience it, not be worried about what's next. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, you and I have both gotten to do some pretty fucking great stuff. Like probably beyond what our 15-year-old selves would have ever imagined we would have been able to do. And yet I'm sure more times than we'd be comfortable admitting, we've been in the middle of something that our younger selves would have thought was awesome and we're irritated about something or thinking about something else or like – Oh, this didn't. That thing's not working out, and it's like right. And it just, it just, it's so, it's so easy to get caught up in dumb things. So it's just like, how do you make your world smaller and clear out mm-hmm. all the clutter yeah, clear that out doesn't the, matter? And, and that's just, something that a therapist will tell you. you yeah, know, that, you know, typical Hollywood, my therapist. But that is true. <laughs> I've, I've been going, and and she says, get rid of the clutter. Yeah, like, that really makes a difference. Yeah, you know, put put like put your mental uh, self. And all the things that you want to keep, all the things that you want to give away, and all the things that you want to throw away. Well, yeah, because the thing that the thing that can really, the thing that's kind of um, mind fucky to me is about sometimes you don't recognize what are habitual patterns. Yeah, in the way that you think about things, and so you get caught up in stuff, and you get caught up in stuff, and you get caught up in stuff, and it might just be that you're in the habit of getting caught up in stuff, especially if you're entrepreneurial or any way or ha- or like had to kind of carve your own way you're always thinking like got to put out fires got to put out yeah, fires yeah, gotta yeah. Put-. and it's like well are there fires or are you just seeing fires because you're used to you're in the habit of having to put them out or you're in the habit of trying to fix things or you're in the habit of building things mm-hmm. and and so being able to take a step back and go oh i think that's just i think that's those are just brain things that doesn't yeah, necessarily yeah. i don't i can choose to not get caught up in that yeah. stuff is a really big thing you know because your brain really is just kind of this organic machine and i think it runs on it sets to run on scripts and you it just sort of well, yeah, it, auto auto plays from but, time you, to but time. you always and you always want more right like you like whatever it may be like more like an accomplishment like for example we were talking about me learning how to play guitar or something like that. and this is not a skill but last year we did the kiss cruise in 2015 Fozzie played yep. it and as soon as i was done i said i can do my own cruise this mm-hmm. is this is something i can make it happen i can make it a, a wrestling thing and a rock and roll thing and comedy and all the stuff that i'm into i'm gonna make a cruise on this so last year we did three years it took me to get it going chris jericho's rock and wrestling rager at sea and Dude, it was a huge success. I lost money on it, but I expected to because it's a first-time thing. I I wanted to create a franchise. And so the second one is coming up in January of 2020. And what my point is is that 
the skill of playing guitar, I'm still learning, but now I understand how to do a cruise. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and all, you talk about putting out fires, all the stuff that surrounds that. Now I'm talent booking. I'm, you know, finding out who I can book and, and uh, w- how you build a ring on a cruise ship so that it doesn't move if there's a typhoon. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, every day I'm getting into sales reports and the demographics and, females and males the ages that they are and what countries they're from and who they who they're coming to see and you're so like every day there's so much work around it but it's really cool because i'm learning a different skill now well that's good like that's a good that's a good version of that but i'm you know i'm gonna say and this i think is sort of antithetical to what you know particularly what we think of in in this country but bigger is not always better yeah bigger is not always better i mean bigger can mean more but it just means more of everything more responsibility like you were talking about and so you know is it just know that bigger comes with a at a cost like it comes at a price and that that price could be more responsibility less time with things that you actually want to be doing less time with family less time with friends more scrutiny more anything and so I think our kind of like, well, bigger is always better is just a very – it's just kind of a fallacious – view, yeah. Yeah, it is very myopic and I think it's not – you know, it's it, it can't just be applied to everything because, you know, sometimes smaller is better. Yeah. Sometimes where you are is better, yeah. you know, and it doesn't always have to be – I mean gr- growing doesn't mean it has to be growing bigger. You could be growing inward or you could be growing in the yeah. other – like it doesn't – I just think it's dangerous to always think, you know, more this, more followers, more money, more this, more that. You know? Absolutely. It is. And also, too, like continuing on doing something, even if you don't like it anymore. Like I was the other day, I was thinking about Rick Moranis. Yeah. Like I watched uh, Strange Brew. And I was like, whatever happened to Rick Moranis? Take like, off, eh? Yeah, take off, eh? And I Googled it and looked it up. And then he just, uh, you know, 2002, just decided he didn't want to act anymore. And I'm like, come on. He, he's a Hollywood leading man at this point with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You just didn't want to do it anymore? Like, how? And then I understand, like, the the concept behind that. He probably just said, dude, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Well, he, I, he was on the podcast, like, six years ago, maybe? Okay. And we talked about, you know, and I, I think, uh, you know, he lost his wife. And right. Then, and, and I think for him, he's a really nice mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. who just likes to do simple things. And I think, you know, he said, like, it's not that I don't want to... It's like it's not that I really wanted to quit acting. It's just like nothing was really exciting me. Yeah, and and hats off to him for having the fortitude to just go. Right. Yeah. I mean, I could go do this stuff and make a lot of money, or if I'm not excited by it, I would rather just spend time with my kids. I would rather have a simple life and not deal with any of that shit. And so that's what he did. And he seems fucking seems like a totally happy guy. And and that's the thing. He's happy. Whereas other people might look at it and go, how can you possibly be happy not being in the public eye anymore? Yeah, which is such a fucked up way to view things. It's Completely. Like, it's like, you know, he might feel personally more successful than he's ever felt right. in his life. Right, and happier. And happier because he has a good relationship with his family. And yes. his life is easy to manage. And he, you know, like, and he saved his money. And he's not, like, yeah. I don't know. It just, it's like. I, I don't know if you're a Beatles guy or not. Or, of course. Did you ever see Martin Scorsese's Living in the Material World, the documentary on George Harrison? No. You got to watch it. It. Dude, you got it right. <laughs> Look I'm at wearing that. a Dark Horse Records you are. T-shirt and from that's, the 70s. You are definitely a Beatles fanatic to have the Dark Horse Records. I am literally wearing a Dark Horse Records t-shirt That's awesome. Right that's so awesome, by the way. I've never seen that before. Oh, you haven't? Yeah. No. But you have to watch this documentary because it's three hours long. The first hour is Beatles. The next two hours is just George's stuff. And he, if, if John Lennon hadn't gotten shot, 
there there still might not have been a Beatles reunion, not because of John and Paul, because of George. He didn't want to do it anymore. He wanted to stay at home and garden. He mm-hmm. was a gardener. Yep. You know, he made films and handmade films and he did some of the race car shit, but he just wanted to be a gardener. And there's a great scene where he's talking about like, well, what, what reasons do you have to like, to basically what reasons do you have to live? Cause he was so much of spiritual and just going to the next level. Yeah. And he's like, well, I've got a son, so I want to stick around for him as long as I can. But I've got my plants in the garden. And he looks up, he just starts laughing. Like, he's like, that's about it. And, like, the guy was super happy, peaceful. He didn't need anything. All he needed was his plants and his garden and his, his spirituality. And just watching this is like, that, that's the coolest fucking guy. Well, that to me is a, is a whole other level of success. Right. When you don't, when you don't need external things to be happy – yeah, I think that's. I mean, that's probably you know what they would refer to as enlightenment. You know, where <laughs> yes. it's like yeah. you're you're enlightened because you don't. Yeah, you know, and so much of what we do and how we behave re- relies on the external world validating us in ways that don't necessarily really mean anything real. And it's and and when we all do it, you know, like I'm not above it. I mean, I do it too. Right. <clears throat> but it seems like part of the journey is how do you become aware of that? <clears throat> Excuse me and kind of pare back, throw out some of the junk food, get, you know, if some gardening makes you happy, yeah. isn't if work makes you, you know, like if you genuinely, if that's where your passion is, then fine. But if you don't, if that's not where your passion is, then, you know, yeah. like who's to say, and, and this idea of like feeling sorry for people who aren't famous anymore is so gross because it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but what if they're happier? That's like, right. That's the important that's thing. That's not for us to judge. Yeah. That's for them to judge. Because yeah. I'll tell you what, like the last couple of years, I was full on workaholic, workaholic workaholicism and this year I, I stepped back and you know it's really cool because even for me with like having three kids these kids are growing up you know and the once again they all they grow up so fast like they fucking do man yeah. and pretty soon they're not going to be at my house anymore and i don't want to be you know the cats in the cradle guy give him the car keys down <laughs> and i was able just like me <laughs> yes boy um, and the thing is, I, I, I still work a lot, yeah. but I'm not looking for excuses to go to work, which is what I was doing. It was a really strange thing. And it looked, you realize like that is, that's, that's a, a disease, you know? Yeah. But also a year to you and I is like a month. Yes. And a year to, from 14 to 15 is substantial. Yes. A lot happens. Your, you know, your hormones, yeah. your brain is for, you know, it's like, yeah. Everything's growing and forming, and you're becoming who you are. So that's a, those are very, you very. You need your very, parents. You, yeah. need, you need your dad or mom to be there. So it's it's easy, you know, when you get older, you're like, oh, is it 2019 already? I don't fucking know. Yeah. But you remember how long did a school year feel? Oh my you know? gosh, and how long really did the school like day months. feel? Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Counting down the last hour, just sitting there, like, oh my yeah, gosh. You come back from Christmas break. Ah, oh, there's yeah, still yeah, like yeah, five yeah. more months. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like now five months is like, oh yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, we're this thing. We're gonna do this thing, but it's not gonna happen until like uh, July. Oh yeah, fine. Well, fuck, right, that'll right, be here before we right. know it. You know. You know, it's funny because my son's 15 now, so he's got his learner's permit. So I'm trying to. Uh, he has. He goes to a driving guy, a driving class, but I'm taking him out too. And we're going. We live in the country, so we're going down country roads. He's very slow, which he should be, you know. And uh, it's funny because I have a Tesla or an 
Escalade. Escalade's too big for him, so he's driving this Tesla. He's like, Dad, I'm not going to learn to drive with a $100,000 car. I'm like, you have to do it. <laughs> and we're in the middle of nowhere. It's fine. I remember my dad taking me out for driving lessons in the middle of fucking downtown traffic. Like, Winnipeg was in New York City, but when you're starting to learn to drive, one car is too many, yes. and 50 cars is, like, the worst. Yes. And I was just like, how, like... Parents were just different then. It'd be like, you know, smoking or you would sit in the back of the station wagon <laughs> underneath the window. Remember that? Yep. And I'm just thinking like, well, how could my dad take me? How did I not kill him? You know, yeah. it's just crazy to think about that. Yeah. I My mom brought t- – um, she had a, a manual speed transmission and it, we lived in Denver at the time. And one of the first times I drove, the roads were a little icy and we were on an incline and I was terrified I was going to slide. I hadn't, I hadn't really mastered yeah, yeah, yeah. the clutch yet. And there was a car behind us. And I was like, what do I do? What do I do? There's an incline. And, there's, and she was like, okay, just, you know, just like take it easy. And I go, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like completely just like yeah, 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 almost yeah. blew yeah, yeah, out. Right, right, right. You know, fishtailed out of there. <laughs> Panicking. But we, you know, like yeah. we made it, we made it through. Yeah. yeah it's just it funny through. how, like I said, the, the, the way of par- parenting and the way that kids grow up now is a lot different than it was uh, when we were, you know, in those years. I know. It's always different. That is the one thing is like, no matter what issues you think you're going through now, like the, the filter of the issues may change, but the basic issues have, are just, you know, yeah. just repeat over yeah, and exactly. over again. And after we're gone, they will repeat the again passage, yeah. with when, other new technologies. When my son is teaching his son to drive the spaceship. Yeah. It'll be the same thing, right? Or, or Slow the, down! Or the car that bores through the earth. <laughs> yeah. I still don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. Are they doing that? The boring project? Yes, it's an Elon Musk thing. They're talking about, like, just, like, jamming traffic into the ground and doing, you know, like... Like high rise highways under the fucking. Oh my crowd. gosh! Like I don't know if LA is really the best. Are you are are the seismologists okay with this? Like, <laughs> are you like we di- sure we should yeah, be doing this? Yeah, like, yeah, it sounds like a disaster. Yeah, I mean, I even get a little nervous on the subway. You know, it's like <laughs> if you're running somewhere, it's like it's still under the ground. It's still under the, uh, the Lincoln Tunnel. Yeah, we have to go under the freaking uh, yeah, East yeah, River. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you know, I I mean, who fucking knows yeah, what's, yeah. what's going to happen? I I I'm it's much as you know, I'm going to read everything that because again. You know, workaholics recognize other workaholics. And um, I'm just reading all that. So besides the fact that you are opening for Iron Maiden this fall. (laughs) How crazy is that? Fucking crazy. Which I guess is also great, too, because when you're you, it's like, who's going to heckle you? You can just jump into the audience and body slam somebody. That's cool. The guy, I just Googled shirtless comedian. His name is Bert Kresher. Oh, Bert Kresher. Kresher. Yeah. There you go. I didn't realize he was performing without a shirt. So that's the guy that, now that I've heard this name, (laughs) I've seen him everywhere. Oh, that's great. That I knew nothing about. That's great. Um, So the Iron Maiden thing, yeah. Well, the thing about the Maiden thing that's very cool is I've known those guys for a while, especially their manager, Rod. Yeah. And I remember Rod came to one of our shows in Brighton, England back in 2013. And and Rich is, is my partner in Fozzie. And I was like, Dude, this is it. Like he's obviously coming to you know check us out, and if he likes it, we're gonna get the gig opening for Maiden. <laughs> and we had a great show. And afterwards, and Rod came back, and uh, you know he's just kind of talking. And finally, I was like, oh, "Fuck, what did you think?" He goes, "Don't wear shirts with big faces on them on stage." Because I had a shirt with like I don't know somebody's face on it. Yeah. And Rich had a shirt, and, and that was it. That was his advice. <laughs> and then he left, and I was like, "What the fuck?" So. About six months ago, we were on tour in Australia. I wake up uh, at five in the morning with jet lag. I get an email from Rod Smallwood. Do you want to play a show with us in L.A. in September? And I was like, a show with who? 
And he's like, Iron Maiden, you fucking moron. <laughs> and I was like, uh, sure. You're not still wearing shirts with faces on them, are you? <laughs> exactly. So we're like, no shirts with faces. But once we got the gig and, and, and realized it's very special because we're the only band to get added to any show during the tour besides the opening band who's Steve Harris's son. Um, now you go into attack mode. Like my goal is to blow Iron Maiden off the stage. Mm-hmm. And I even said that in an interview and it made it. You know, went viral and fucking guitar player. He goes, they're going to cancel us. They're going to cancel us. I said, no, they're going to love that. Like this band is going to try and beat us on our own show. You can't hire a wrestler and not expect <laughs> but also that there's going to be a little bit of that. Just driven too. Like you can't go out there like babes in the woods because Iron Maiden's audience will kill you. Yeah. They don't want to see any opening band. So you got to go out there and grab them by the throat. Yeah. And if we can do that and we get a good reaction at the Maiden show, I would have to think that we'll get more shows. Hi, guys. We're Fozzie. Is it okay if we're here? Hey. Boo! I know, uh. I know you don't want to see an opening band, but we're going to give it a try. Hey, guys. We're Canadian. Huh? <laughs> Anybody? Hey, hey. Come on. Hey. We're just having a good time. Who wants to hear a level 42 cover? <laughs> There's something about you. It's the only level 42 song that anyone knows. Can you make that song metal? That is that is maybe Well, a... we did a cover of SOS by ABBA that turned out really cool and heavy. That's cool. Uh, so you can pretty much do it. It just depends what kind of groove you have. I'd have to revisit that song though. I just I just, you know, just as a just as a as, a, a, a challenge I'm dropping at your feet is can you make something about you by level 42 a I'll, a rock I'll like listen rock. to it on the way out of here and I'll see because I bet you you could probably replace the keyboards with some cool crunchy guitars yeah you know it's like when the disturbed did sound of silence like right. they, they, how, what really yeah so you can probably do it but it would take a little bit of re, uh, re rearranging for sure I believe in you <laughs> thank you I believe in you thank you so are, and talk is Jericho talk is Jericho still twice a week with Westwood One. Oh my gosh uh, still doing really good and diverse as always but I, I like once again I like that aspect of the podcast where it's not just wrestling or music or talking to billionaires or porn stars or comedians just having a variety of anything that seems interesting to me yeah and if we th- you think if i think it's interesting i think the fan base will believe that of course too. because you're their guide you're basically right. the ambassador sure. and you're their guide in that and if and, and if you know people know when you're interested in stuff and when you're not interested in stuff and and they can tell and they yes. really do form a relationship with that's you right that's right because this is such an intimate form of media yeah more i'm gonna say maybe more intimate than almost any than maybe any other form of media because it's so you know like you put it in your like people yes. put it in their ears and it guides them through good times bad times when they're trying to distract themselves from work public transportation wor- you know workouts Absolutely. they don't want to do and so it really does like just become a part of their mind. Once again, we, we, we talked about you know the mental junk food. I don't know if listening to music is not mental junk food, but I was listening. You listen to the same music over and over again. Now my music consumption is cut in half because I'm listening to so many podcasts. Yeah, so I'm learning on that side of things. I at mean, least. you literally can learn anything. Yeah, almost anything you would want to learn. Yeah, oh, yeah. You could learn if you just listen to like. Even 10 or 15 minutes a day of anything in a new direction, no, and, you and, would pick up knowledge Yeah, and it's funny because there's certain ones that I listen to. or certain ones that at least I, look, I always see every week who's, who you got on your show. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll get ideas like, oh, like like when you had Shatner on. Like, what a great fucking guest, yeah. right? You know, if he's been on three times now, and you, all you have to go is, hey, hey, Bill, what's up? And then <laughs> an hour later, remember, I remember he was talking about your car keys or something. Right, right, right. Time. 
Um, but the one people always say, like, well, who's your ultimate guest? And it's it's McCartney. And I'm like, he's done Hardwick's show. I do, I have a chance. <laughs> he's done a podcast. I have a fucking chance. The door chance. is open. Yes. And there was somebody else that you did that. I was like, how the fuck did you get this guy, too? I can't remember who it was. There's been a lot of them. but I mean, there have been a lot where I'm like, how did they agree to Really? Oh, okay. Was it Obama or something? No, no, no. no. Obama did Marx. Oh, that was right, yeah. right, right. Um, but it was, he's another one I followed, too, yeah. Yeah, but it was... Um, Bill Gates, maybe? We did Bill Gates, I was yeah. Like, how the hell did you get Bill Gates, you know? You know, they were... Hanks? Hanks did yeah. it a couple times. Yeah, Hanks did it a couple yeah. times. It was just... I don't know. It's... it's You know, it's it's been a really incredible... It's been a really incredible journey. But you know what I think the reason why your show is so good um, and why people like my show is there's no questions. You don't show up with a, a sheet of paper. No, you can't. You, well, it, you can, but... You can, but those... And you've done a million interviews... Those interviews are never great because, the once again, they're not living in the moment. No, there's too much of an agenda. Yes, thinking about what's the next question, the next question. Because sometimes, like, when you're talking to somebody, like with Shatner, for example, he could go completely in a different direction. You follow it, and suddenly you find this whole new world. And that's why I think big names like doing podcasts with good podcast hosts is because you can have a great interview talking about stuff that you, won't, you aren't going to talk about anywhere else. And they get to talk about stuff that they don't get to talk that's about. That's what I'm I mean, saying. Like these people have to do junkets, and they get asked the same five questions. Over and over, And everyone's yeah. trying to you know, like get some sort of clickbaity thing or like yeah. catch them in a thing. And it's those, like, those, no, I just want people to come on and just be comfortable. Those are the worst. Junkets yeah. are the worst or radio tours. We have uh, 10 minutes with every radio station. Right. I, I, I said to my publicist, I'm not doing them anymore because you can't do anything in 10 minutes or six minutes. Like you said, I literally have fallen asleep during radio tours before because it's the same thing you just fall asleep and go into yeah you know really excited about this project it's like 4 o'clock in the morning and you're talking to like 15 yeah, exactly. stations but that's yeah. why podcasting has become so important because it's a long term conversation and if it's somebody that I don't know it usually takes about 10-15 minutes to unwrap the layers sure then you get the real conversation so yeah. you need that time to get rid of the the inhibitions and, you know, like even, I just noticed, oh, there's a microphone here. I forgot we were on a yeah. podcast. Yeah. And that's what you want. And that's when you get a good reputation and you'll get great guests. I mean, these, you know, these super famous people want to connect on human levels too. Right. They want to be understood. They want to sure. be heard. They want to, you know. And, and talk so, about random shit. That talk about random shit. To, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting to hear people talk about what they like and how they. But if you, and I'm sure you've experienced this, like, you know. I'm sure you've been in a situation like in a wrestling match where someone was so tied to a script, but for whatever reason, the situation didn't want that, but they were stuck in it. And it kind of, it's like when you're too worried about the agenda, you again, can't be in the moment because you're thinking about the future. Like, oh, this has to work out this way. And so, yeah, I mean, podcasting has made me a better listener in life. It has made me a better, you know. Absolutely. It, 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 it's a great skill to have because it's not easy. No. I know a lot of people. Like, it's funny. I started my show five years ago. And I was talking to my producer yesterday. And there was 300,000 podcasts on iTunes. Oh, my gosh. Now, 650,000 podcasts on iTunes. Wow. And how many of them are, are great? Probably one percent of those. I mean, I don't know. It's it, it's like I see a lot on there, and they new ones pop up all the time. I'm like, oh, what are they? I mean, like now there's a lot, but I still encourage people. Like I have a friend who's thinking about starting a podcast, and she's awesome and really funny. And she's like, I don't know, there's so many, and I go, yeah, but no one's you, right? No one is uniquely you and is funny the way that and you, you gotta are. Take the chance, and you gotta yeah. try. You know, it's like if you worried about that, no one would ever do anything. Oh well, there's already too many wrestlers. There's too many comedians. Yeah, how am I ever gonna make too many that? Too many bankers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but none of them are you, right. you know? So you just have to become as uniquely you as you are 
And, you know, and, and then that separates you yes. from from the pack. Exactly. Um, but I love, love, love. I'm, I really appreciate our friendship. I've always loved. I mean, you've done the show. I don't know. Is this four or five times? Five times. Once again, this was the first podcast that I ever did was your show. And realizing, I can't remember, we were talking about some random Bad News Bears or something. I remember, <laughs> and I remember coming out of there. Because you, you used to have a co-host. Well, yeah, I had a couple guys who were on. Yeah. yeah, yeah and I remember walking out of there and going, like, holy shit, like, this is what podcasting is? This is fun. Yeah. Like, I like this. So, yeah, it's been about four or five times. And I think three times on Talking, on Talking Dead. Dead. We always yeah. have a blast. Yeah, got to come back. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yes, let's do it. I want to come back. Oh, fantastic. Is there anything else besides Elite Wrestling? Is there anything else you want to promote? No, man, I just, uh, like I said, it's just, it, it's, it's a really good year with this new company. You know, I started the year with, with all elite wrestling with the biggest contract I've ever signed and a gig with Iron Maiden. I so mean, that's my year. Going well. That's my year. Yeah. Things are going well. <laughs> and also I'm looking at the tattoo that's on your arm on the bicep and yeah. just imagining how much smaller it would have to be on my arm. And <laughs> you're trying to figure out like how much of that would fit on my arm? How what? much of that skull? Which this one my, there? Yeah. Yeah. I Maybe just the star and the you know, like on the forehead there. It would slide down your yeah. arm a bit. <laughs> it would I they need to give me an extra arm <laughs> to just even That's, like wrap it around. You could get some muscles tattooed on your arm. That's a great and idea. then get the tat- tattoos tattooed on, on the tattoo the muscles. muscles. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good yeah, exactly. idea. Well that's gonna fix it. I'll yeah. never have to go to the gym again. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, see? Yeah, see? And then uh, the level forty two cover that is definitely Yeah, we're gonna work on that. Let's see if I can figure that out. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Chris. Cheers, Jericho. man. Cheers. The end. Done. Done. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. It's time for Word Salad Wrap of episode number 1010 with Mr. Chris Jericho. And, uh, you know, I know I talk about this a lot, but I, but the reason that I like to repeat it is because, number one, it's something that deserves repeating, and also, number two, I feel like if it just hits the right person at the right time, they will actually take action on it. You know, getting stuff done isn't just a... Yeah, one time, maybe you figure it out and then you're done. It's a constant <laughs> reminder. It's a process. So inspired that all by all the different things that Jericho has going on and uh, is trying, um, I'm going to tell you whatever it is that's been kind of noodling around in the back of your head for however many years, however many months, whatever it is, however many weeks, today is the day. Today is your day to just... Take one small action, even if that action is just to write down a note about what you want, maybe why you want it, and one step that you can take in that direction. Because that is, those are the seeds, right? Those are the seeds that ultimately develop. We, uh, we got a grapefruit tree, 
And um, Lydia decided, you know, uh, this grapefruit's really good. I've never tasted another grapefruit like the ones that come from this tree. So I'm going to start saving the seeds and we'll start planting them. And as they start to grow, we'll give them out to our friends who will have this very kind of special grapefruit tree. And it takes years for a grapefruit tree to grow and bear fruit, but it all starts with a seed. And so, you know, we got these little planters and poked a hole in them with our finger and dropped in the seeds. And now they're starting to poke through. And I know it's dumb to be like, whoa, nature's trippy because it is nature and it is natural. And this is how life propagates. But it is really incredible to watch. And it's also a really great metaphor for just things in your own life. Yes, sometimes things take longer. Sometimes things take shorter. You never really know. That's pretty result-oriented, trying to figure out, you know, this is going to happen on this date or not. But it's really the process that is so intriguing. And the process is really where the growth happens, right? It's got to grow to bear the fruit. So today is your grapefruit tree day. (laughs) You can just write it down. Today is my grapefruit tree day. And uh, on grapefruit tree day... Just plant plant a seed. Plant your seeds. Figure out what it is. If you don't know, just scribble a bunch of thoughts and ideas. Because honestly, it, I mean, I think we a lot of times just assume we can sort things out in our head. But it is so you get so much more clarity when you can look at something from a third-person perspective and see it written down in the material world and the physical universe. Because it just allows you to sort of parse through and sort the data and... And make choices and you'll have realizations and, you know, maybe it's something you'll do. It'll take five minutes, maybe tomorrow you'll take another five minutes. But the thing is, once you kind of get the engine in place, it eventually will start to take over on its own and it won't feel like as much work because you're, you've started the process. So that's all you got to do today. Okay. Just A percentage of you are going to hear this and go, okay, you know what? I needed to hear this today. Today's the day. And this will start you on your journey. I mean, our, you know, I feel bad that we can't get to every uh, corkboard thing that comes through just because of time issues, but we get through as many as we can. And they're all just people who's like, you know what? I'm going to start it. I'm just not going to, not going to wait anymore. Obviously I know life can get in the way. Obviously I know you know, you have a lot of responsibilities. There are things, you know, you may not have the luxury of a lot of free time, but even if you have the luxury of five minutes, just start because it will, writing it down, putting it into the world will ignite something in you. And if it doesn't, then take another five minutes another day, you know, even if it's just five minutes a week, (laughs) you can spare five minutes a week. Just give it a shot. See how it goes. Write down, you know, what would you need to do if you thought that you were someone who could manifest a thing that you cared about, like what's something that you could do to take a step? And it doesn't have to be a big giant step. I think a lot of us just think it's, you know, an all or nothing thing. Well, if I can't solve it in one step, then I don't want to do it. But, you know, most things you can't solve in one step. So you got to just, but even any action that creates a little bit of momentum that pushes you in the right direction is, is all you need. So that's it for today. Make today your grapefruit tree day. Um, And at some point in the future, with consistent effort and trial and error and learning from your mistakes, it will bear fruit. I mean, there is really not a massive secret to success. All the people who have succeeded with ideas that they've had all started the same way. They just had an idea. They decided to do it. And they started this process. And, you know, uh, 
I know people who've done it. I've done it. You've probably done it in other iterations. And today is the day that you can do it for yourself, uh, for something that you have intention over that you, that you want to create, uh, or manifest. And, uh, so that's it. So give it a shot. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it really, really, really can start that simply. Now, processes do take a long time. Processes aren't always easy. <laughs> they usually aren't. But that's just how it goes. And isn't it better to kind of start and kind of have that passion project burning in you? You know, it, it will ignite the rest of your life when you're passionate about things. It does spill over into other areas. And, um, you know, I just, I think you deserve it. And I appreciate you. And I thank you for listening to uh, Word Salad Wrap today. And I will see you in your ears real soon. Okay. Bye. ID Tenti scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.